0: Hey, folks, this is Steve By, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks, so turn it up. Hey, this is Paul Stanley, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, it's Tommy Thayer from KISS, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks right now. Ah!
1: Hello and welcome to episode 265 of the Iron City Rocks Podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 265, we're joined by guitarist Tommy Thayer, the band Kiss. I had an opportunity in 2014 to bring you all an interview with Paul Stanley. Uh, This interview was an interview I did uh, earlier in the month of March. Uh, This came out on GuitarWorld.com. Uh, We spoke about Tommy's White Lightning guitar from Epiphone Les Paul. Uh, This is actually the second chance I had to interview uh, Tommy Thayer. We spoke to him in uh, 2013 about the Silver Spaceman guitar. Uh, So this was really kind of a neat thing to talk to him. Tommy, a very humble guy. Uh, It was really, really interesting learning more about him. Uh, In doing the research for the interview, the the amount of charity in particular that Tommy did is really uh, impressive. So it was a real treat to get a chance to talk to him again. It was very early in the morning Los Angeles time, uh, when we spoke. Uh he was wide awake and ready to go. So without further ado, let's get into that interview with Tommy Thayer of KISS.
0: And I say welcome to the show.
2: It's been almost two years. Um we did a, a piece on the um the silver Sp- the spaceman guitar that you had done with Epiphone and I saw you had the you know, the new one, so I wanted to talk to you about that. So um yeah. Could we start out um, as, as I mentioned? It's been two years since you released that guitar. Um, what's different about the white lightning guitar? You know, other than obviously the cosmetic effect of the guitar.
0: Well, there's a lot of similarities, but like you said, the the aesthetic and uh, the look and and the, the design of it as far as the, the color and the, the scheme, it's different. And pickups are different too. I've started using. Uh, in the last year or two, I started using uh, Seymour Duncan JV pickups again. Okay. I used to use them a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I was using Gibson pickups for quite a long time, and I don't know why, but for some reason, I just switched back. One day, uh, we put, uh, you know, the JV uh, Seymour Duncan JVs back in one of the guitars, and I go, "This really sounds great." So, yeah. you know, it's just something you're always kind of chasing that uh, sound, and maybe it's just something different piques uh, your interest suddenly, and nice going with that so that's what's going on with the pickups
2: okay now is the um as far as the neck and, and the body shaping very very similar
0: it is the neck profile is the same okay um, it's a it's a uh, somewhere between a 1960 and 1959 neck profile okay which is it's not a baseball bat but it's it's not super thin either it's mm-hmm. kind of a in between which i started to like more and but the cool thing is it's got this uh great white metallic finish. It's it's a real stark white really. It's not um it's not uh you know like a pearl white like okay. the, some of the Gibson customs and that sort sure. of thing. more of a, a real metallic white and and I just wanted it to be a real striking guitar that was great on stage, uh looked great on stage and uh you know, very striking, so it went with the metallic white and I wanted to have all the chrome parts to offset that and pick up
2: okay, I was and ask the and the pick,
0: pick Air, oh. guard and the input jacks and
2: all it's that all stuff. Chrome. Now I all r-
0: chrome. And originally, the idea was to do a, a chrome binding as well, um, which would really you know, complement all that other stuff too. But it became very difficult even for Gibson to figure out exactly how to do that uh, in the first place when I built the original two guitars that Gibson made for me last right. summer. Um, that were kind of the inspiration for the Epiphone the, the version. But we couldn't figure out how to do a chrome binding, so I uh, ended up using a three-ply, you know, black-and-white three-ply mm-hmm. binding, which actually probably is even a better idea. It looks great, and, and uh, I'm glad that that's kind of how it turned out.
2: Yeah, you probably get a better contrast with that. And it's you know I think any manufacturer would say it's hard to get chrome and wood. That's not a real easy combination <laughs> to work with um yeah because you know the process
0: is they, they 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 cut those guitars out of wood less mm-hmm. the less Pauls out of wood and, and they had there's a kind of a strip uh, a channel that they leave for the binding and even before they paint them they put the binding on and they sand them with the binding on before they even paint them so that's that's the traditional process and that's why it's so difficult to do with the uh the uh, chrome and <laughs> mm-hmm. it was funny we went back and forth uh, with Gibson for months, literally trying to figure out what to do, and, and but it turned out great in the long run. I'm real happy with, with what we got.
2: Now, I, I recall um, when we spoke on the, the spaceman guitar, you had mentioned that you had gone back and forth with him about the size of a flake in the flake in the silver. Was that uh, <laughs> when you're doing a finish like this? I mean, and obviously, you're playing on you know one of the biggest stages with probably the most lights of anybody out there. I mean, do you have to kind of to Play around with you know how these guitars look on stage. Is that part of the consideration when you're doing these?
0: Well, absolutely, it is. It's very important to have a guitar that on on stage that really pops out and, and, and looks like it works on a, just stage. And it's, yeah. uh, a lot of that's taken into consideration, certainly. And yeah. you know, it's a very flamboyant theatrical show, so you need flamboyant theatrical looking guitars. And it's, coincidentally, that's the kind of guitars I like the looks of anyway. Sure. And I'm not sure Paul and Gene probably feel the same way. So, yeah, there's special consideration. You don't want to just, uh, you know, do something that's plain and, and uh, very generic looking. It's got mm-hmm. to be something that's got some pop to it.
2: Yeah. Now, do you, like, in any of the, the determining of the colors and everything, do you mess with any lights and how they refract off of it?
0: You know, I don't think we go that far as far okay. as, Designing the, the paint and you know actually testing it under lights that sort of thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's the kind of it's the kind of thing where we we, we know what what will work. Uh, sure. Just
2: by by uh, by experience. experience yeah, exactly. You've been at this mm-hmm. with, these, with these guys. If my math is right, about 12, 12 13 years now. Um, yes, are, I have. Are you a, a, a tinkerer of guitars? I mean, do you like in, in your you know, with your your guitar tech So Do you do you mess around with a lot of different configurations, or are you a, a guy at this point in your career where you know what you want, you know, to be?
0: I I used to do a little bit of that back in the old days. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, it, actually I, I I I messed up a couple of good guitars <laughs> I had a I had a couple Les Paul Juniors back in the day. I think it was a like a fifty eight or fifty nine single cutaway sunburst jr and i actually took the pickup out of it and i don't know what i did i can't remember if i put a different pickup in there but i did stuff that you just shouldn't even do uh mm-hmm. by today's standards of you know uh as far as uh, you know uh, vintage guitars and, and right messing with these things you know i just don't don't ever want to do that kind of stuff <laughs> but that was back you know like i said 30 35 years ago and yeah so I messed around, and, and there was a point where I had a couple Strats. That uh, and I never really played Strats too much. I've always been more of a Gibson, a Les Paul guy. But mm-hmm. I had a couple Strats back in the day where I'd mess around with uh, different necks and, and routing, different pickups, and different uh, different parts and things. So, but I messed around a bit. But these days, I I, I I try to stay away from that kind of stuff and let other people do it. Yeah, um, yeah. It I'm, is- not, I'm not really a super technical kind of. Uh, uh, guy, as far as I'm, I'm not really that interested in in the messing around and, and, and tinkering too much. I just I just like to play the guitars and 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 use them.
2: Right. Yeah. So you're not out there with a router trying to uh, <laughs> do that kind of Eddie Van Halen stuff, you know? I think everyone's.
0: Nah, not not so much.
2: No, I, I know in the '80s, you know, obviously there was a, a bit of a dip in the whole you know, vintage guitar, everybody went to the kind of the super strat. So I think, you know, it was probably, yeah. you know, the value of some of these guitars that people prize so much now aren't quite, wasn't quite there back then. So I think people were a little, took a little more liberty, you know? Well, it's interesting
0: that there was a time in the, in the mid eighties where nobody wanted mm-hmm. Les Paul's and, and Gibson's really was, as you mentioned, it was the, the era of the super strat and uh, all the, the Charvel's and the Jackson's. And sure. were the, the rage. And, yeah. uh, that's when I, I actually bought one of my best guitars that I own today, you know, because I've got a few less balls over the years, and this one was a, a uh, about a 72 Deluxe. that has been routed out to uh, regular size humbuckers, but I bought it at this guitar shop in Hollywood in 1985 or 86 for, like, 350 bucks or something. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody wanted the, these guitars, and I'm like, well, I want them, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take advantage of these great prices right now. And,
2: yeah, I know exactly what you then, mean. And then, you know,
0: by the time... Guns N' Roses came out and things started changing again, you know, uh, when uh, Gibson's became real popular again, and and they have been since. So.
2: Yeah, I know even, you know, on the other end of that, I know trying to, to sell a guitar with a Floyd Rose in it in the early 2000s was impossible. Nobody wanted it. Everybody wanted to be able to do Drop D, and, you know, everybody uh-huh. wanted the Paul Reed Smith style. So, yeah, it, it is, you know, the the good thing about the Strat and the, and the Les Paul is they you know, Overall, I've endured over the years probably more than any other style, so, you know, it's iconic at this point. Yeah, no no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So, um, one of the things I mentioned a little bit earlier, this is now your 12th or 13th year, uh, the, pardon my ignorance of exact dates, but did you've been with Kiss, which, you know, well, makes you, you well, know.
0: Well, it's not exactly, uh, the, the definitively clear when I actually started. I mean, <laughs> the first gig I did with the band was in the early 2002. Okay. But it was more of a filling in kind of, uh, situation, and I think really the first official gig, even though I'd already done gigs, just first official gig was in early 2003. So go figure. It could be 12, could be 13 years. Could be
2: 12 or 13, but you know, is the However, math, depending is, on how depending on how you look at it. Yeah, which would make you, you know, this is now you've you've got the longest consecutive stint of any guitarist in the band. So it's it's uh, is something to interestingly, be. Yeah, interestingly, that's true yeah which you know when you listen to you know different outlets and things you know we're always kind of harping on that kind of stuff and you know it's good to see the longevity yeah as i'm sure you're tired of seeing um you guys as i mentioned uh the top and you said you've got a, a whole bunch of tour dates coming up You're in japan if my math is correct in a week or so um yeah. Do you have, is, is the entire year mapped out at this point, or is there still more to come? I mean, you guys are hitting, I think, every continent ex- outside of Antarctica, it seems, at this point.
0: <laughs> 2015 is fairly well mapped out, even though we haven't announced what's going on specifically later in the year. But it's okay. primarily international tour dates, okay. which uh, uh, starts in Japan next week. And we're doing a few weeks there. Uh, And, by the way, we have a number one single
2: in Japan right now. Yeah, you want to talk talk about how that came together, that particular?
0: Well, it's very interesting. I don't even know whose idea it was, but there's a a, a teen idol group over there in Japan called Momoro Clover Z. Mm -hmm. Five girls, and they're all in their late teens, early 20s. Um, You wouldn't know it because they look like they're about 12 or 13. But, uh, they're really cool. And anyway, we put the song together, uh, with, with them, a collaboration. And it's very kiss actually, but mm-hmm. it's got a very Japanese kind of, you know, flavor and taste to it. Sure. And then we filmed a video, uh, for the song, which is a really a, a spectacular kind of an epic video. And, but, the uh, long and short of it is that it's become very popular over there now. And it's, the number one song and on on the charts in Japan right now, so it's the perfect time to over And
2: yeah, yeah, it seems. Japan. Like obviously, Japan has always embraced the band. Um, you know, going back forty years, it always seems to be a, you know the obvious uh, you know love affair with the you know the style of the band and, and the culture of Japan has always seemed to be a beautiful fit. Uh, and then you guys are doing um, South America. Pretty hard it looks like. Have you done much down there with the band in South America? Or are there places you haven't gone yet that you're on your itinerary now?
0: Well, you know, we've I've been down there on a, two or three tours. With, okay. Yes, and we it's it's a it's a mega market for us down there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, this is in uh, in April this year. We're doing uh, several weeks of shows down there, and. I think we're doing like five shows in Brazil. Um, we're going to a couple of places we haven't been down in before. Uh, we have, haven't ever played Montevideo, Uruguay. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there's a couple others. But we've, it seems like we've covered almost every country down there at one time or another, whether it be Venezuela or Colombia, mm-hmm. where we're going again this time to Bogota. Um, last tour, we were in Paraguay. Uh, of course, we always go to Buenos Aires and, and Santiago, Chile, uh, Lima, Peru, those sorts of places. So it's it's really over the top down there. The fans are crazy, uh, crazier yeah. than almost anywhere in the world. And uh, you know, fifth fans are crazy anyway, but down there it's, it's 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 particularly insane.
2: Are you able to during the tour get away and enjoy some of the 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 culture of the different places you're going or is it is it pretty difficult with the schedule and the press and meet and greets and things like that yeah
0: you know actually i like to do that i'm uh i'm not just a stay in the hotel room kind of guy all the Mm -hmm. time i I like to get out as much as i can sometimes it's a little bit of a challenge because you're traveling uh, on many days on days off sure um and a lot of times you just feel like you just need to rest though too yeah Uh, you might have a day where you don't have anything planned you think i just Really need to recharge the batteries, so to speak, and uh, and then other days get out and see some of the culture and, and see the people and, and experience the food and and uh, what's going on in the city. It's it's exciting and it's 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 an amazing opportunity to do that when you do these tours because you go to these places you probably never would otherwise go or, or sure. most people wouldn't have the opportunity to to go to.
2: Right.
0: So uh, we're lucky in that regard, and, and I like to enjoy those. Those extra pleasures along the way.
2: Yeah, I wasn't sure. You know, especially in some of the South American countries, you see, you know, the the mobs outside hotels and things like that in São Paulo and places like that. If you were able to kind of sneak out, um, you know, throw on a baseball cap and a pair of shades and kind of duck out and enjoy the town, or if you were kind of held up prisoner in the hotels uh, on those kind of tours.
0: Not always. Uh, Again, I don't mind getting out there, and and, uh, you know, sometimes. Yeah, you know, we're so lucky. We got amazing and crazy fans. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you just can't. You got to love them. But sometimes it does get a little difficult going out certain times. But sure, hey, you know, you, you can't complain about that kind of stuff. It's uh, it's a mm-hmm. it's a pleasure and, and an honor to be able to go out and see people and go out and do things, and, and uh, it doesn't bother me at all.
2: Absolutely. Now you're going to be doing um one show in particular that kind of jumped out at me was uh, the Download Festival. I mean, do you guys, when you're doing a show like that, I know you know different bands will try to tailor their set for other bands. You know the style of music on a particular festival. Do you guys just kind of come in and do the full-on, kiss bombastic show, or do you kind of metal it up for lack of a better term for the other no. bands?
0: <laughs> no, no, no. We just do our thing, and that's the uh, you know that's the standard of of, of everything. It's we don't tailor the set to be more metal or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe other bands do that, but Kiss is Kiss. And yeah. uh, interestingly, you know, we play all... The interesting thing is we play a lot of different types of festivals. You know, we play what the, what are termed as the metal festivals sometimes. Right. You know, there's one in France called Hell Fest. Sure. And some other ones. and But we don't go out there and try to heavy it up. We just do our things and uh, do our thing. And, and uh, it's funny because... The fans, whether they're the most metal fans or just rock fans or whatever they are, they love Kiss just the same way you play I Was Made For Loving You mm-hmm. in Europe to a metal crowd, and they go freaking insane. It's, yeah. it's funny. And uh, so it, I think that Kiss is at a point where we do what we do, and and, uh, and uh, you don't mess around with that.
2: Yeah, let everybody else play up to your level. Now, do you – um yeah, yeah. Obviously, when you guys tour, you know, I think any, any – Card-carrying member, the Kiss Army knows in different parts of the country, particular songs or particular parts of the world, I should say, different songs were bigger hits. So you know, you've got to play, you know, particular songs when you're in Australia and you're playing Crazy Nights, for example, when you're in Europe and things like that. Is that fun for you to get to interject some of those songs that you maybe don't play in the states quite all the time?
0: Well, absolutely, and and it's true that going to different uh, countries and different territories, you might modify the set list in terms of the songs. Mm-hmm. Uh where where a song like uh Shandy or, or I Was Made for Loving You might have been bigger hits down in Australia, so we make sure to play those usually. Or in Europe or, or UK we might play Crazy Nights or God Gave Rock and Roll to you because those were songs that were hits sure. in those countries. Yeah. Um, so we definitely do that, and, and it is fun to kind of dip into different, uh, you know, areas of the band or different, more obscure songs sometimes that seem to work in different places. And mm-hmm. one one example that comes to mind is we do the Kiss Cruise every year now. Sure. Which is becoming a huge, it's, it's, a, it's a hugely successful thing. And we're going into the fifth year, whereas we have a, a huge Norwegian Cruise Line ship that is just 3,000. Of the most rapid you know, Kiss fishing you've you've ever seen, and they, it's just Kiss for uh, non-stop for five days. Sure. Anyway, we'll we'll play more obscure uh, obscure songs on the Kiss Cruise stuff that we don't normally play at all, and and uh, it's special for those more hardcore fans, and they appreciate that.
2: Now, is, is, that, is that a lot of work to go back? I mean, obviously, you've been with these guys for 12 years, so I'm sure you're pretty familiar with most of the catalog. But are there ones you have to go back and, you know, dust off the cassette and work out, you know, Bruce's <laughs> parts or anything like that? Sure.
0: Dust off the cassettes. Yeah. Um, sometimes definitely need to go back and, and check things out or relearn something because you can't, over years, you can't remember everything all the time. But I've got a pretty good... Uh, uh, you know, uh, ability to recollect the songs and play everything pretty well, and and uh, but sometimes I do need to go uh, tweak a couple things here and there.
2: Yeah, at least on the Kiss cruise, there's yeah. probably 15 guys there who've all got you know exactly what uh, mode the, the the solo is in. He can shout it out for you if you you know need to <laughs> to remember that. Well, yeah,
0: that's the thing that's great. A lot of these songs, the guitar parts, the lead guitar parts are so signature, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and, you know, you want
2: to try to replicate those things as much as you can and, and be true to form. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's one of the great things. Even, you know, even through all the guitarists, you know, that have been, you know, before you with Mark and Vinny and, and Ace and Bruce, you know, all of them had solos that you can sing. You know, any one of those yeah. guys, you know, you listen to a particular record and, you, and you, it's exactly what it is and you do a great job with that at live and as well yeah. as the, the, your stuff from Monster and Sonic Boom. Uh, It's been fantastic. So, Tommy, I I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to talk to us.
0: uh, Got it. Thanks so much. Pittsburgh, get ready. It's Van Halen.
1: Live on tour. First Niagara Pavilion, July 28th, with special guest, the Kenny Wayne Shepherd Band. Tickets on sale now at all Ticketmaster locations, LiveNation.com or charged by phone.
0: Van Halen Tokyo Dome in concert is available now for VIP packages and more check van-halen.com All
1: right a big thank you goes out to Tommy Thayer of Kiss for taking the time to talk to us about uh, the white lightning guitar also uh, the Japanese tour which is they've completed the South American tour which is going on currently uh, and the band's plans for the remainder of the year as well uh, you can check out uh, Tommy Thayer's website or go to kissonline.com and you can link to Tommy's website from there. Again, 2014, you can go back on IronCityRocks.com. You can find the interview I did with Paul Stanley. Uh, I had an opportunity to talk to Bruce Kulick a few years ago. And also, if you go to guitarworld.com and search for Tommy Thayer, uh, there's another interview I'd done with him in 2013 as well that you can check out. So lots of interesting stuff on Kiss if you're a fan um, I want to thank all of you for listening. Uh, you can find more about us at ironcityrocks.com. We are also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. All three of those are forward slash Rocks. Uh, we are based out of Pittsburgh. but covering music all over the globe. Uh, we have some great concert photography from my co-host, Sean. Um, you can check out at ironcityrocks.com uh, on Instagram and Twitter also. And uh, also we've got a YouTube channel. And uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Love to hear from each and every one of you. And until next time, I want to thank you for listening.